Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared White, joined, as always, by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. Hey, Jared. How's it going? Uh, looking like Sonic moving around. Uh, episode 259, inching ever closer to the Game Awards. In the next couple of weeks, we'll probably be doing our predictions for what we think will win and give our own choices of what we think should win. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Interesting. This will be, I think, the first in-person Game Awards since pre-pandemic we're going to have. Oh, so I'm interested to see how the energy with all of that is. Are we going to see a, a cameo from the Gillette Man, the Gillette Razor Man uh, that was there all those years ago, that weird advertisement? Uh, yeah, but excited for that. Can't wait to see what reveals happen. I'm crossing my fingers for a Hollow Knight release date, Dom. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that we get that uh, for next year. At uh, the Game Awards, the Silk Song. So we'll see. Anyways, like, we're due, but because we know it's got to be coming soon. Yeah, and and I just want it. I was thinking about Hollow Knight the other day. Um, I'm, we're ready for that sequel. The world is ready. I hope the game is ready too. Yeah, I mean, if the showcase for Xbox is to be believed, which I think from their perspective they believed everything uh, that they were presenting in that. You know, it's coming out in the next calendar year. That was in June. So, fingers crossed, Silk Song commits to that still and doesn't get pushed out of June. Uh, it doesn't get a delay uh, from wherever it's going to initially be slated for. Unlike the first game or first piece of news we're going to be talking about today, which is it happened again, Dom. Dead Island 2 was delayed again. <laughs> oh, for real? Uh, yeah. So, it's moving from February of, of next year to April 28th, 2023. The thing I did like, though, is that uh, the developers were pretty uh, self-aware of the situation, and they're like, yeah, you know, we get it. it delayed again, <laughs> of course, uh, which you kind of have to be with this game at this point if it's going to suffer another delay. Honestly, this game, I think, could use all the time it needs just to be able to build a strong enough marketing campaign and polish to have a chance at competing in the space. Um, though, when is uh, Tears of the Kingdom coming out? I forgot that release date. Is that May? Uh, May sounds right, yeah. May or June. Yeah, okay, so hopefully this can edge in right before that game. Um, we also don't know when Redfall's coming out or Starfield. So it's going to be interesting to see where those land and how that plays out for Dead Island 2 because I do think this is a game that needs to come out with a little bit of breathing room to find some success because it's totally one of those games that's going to get lost in the fold if they don't. Um, I mean, what's the zombie game that came out earlier this year, the sequel that people forgot about? <laughs> Dying Light 2. Exactly. <laughs> so, And honestly, that one had a lot more goodwill going into it than this probably will. I think this one's more of those, uh, it's like a car crash video game release in that people just want to see what it looks like. They're not actually like interested or excited about it. It's just the... Uh, it's you know. it's weird because it, I'm thinking back to, yeah, Dying Light 2 came out and, and reviewed decently well. Um, you know, nothing off the wall good, but I think it was like some technical issues and, and, and that the ending fell apart, but like the yeah. experience from the beginning to that point was solid for a lot of people. Um, and I actually never got around to it, even though I really liked the first one, but Dead Island 2 has me much more excited. Not that I expect the gameplay even to be better than Dying Light 2, because I actually expect it probably might be a little more generic because there's not, you know, the, the cool parkour stuff. But there's something about like that first game, like the vibe of it, that that goofy tone. Um, but there's still serious stuff going on, of course. I don't know. Something about that um, has me more excited. I don't know that anything could ever really live up to that trailer for Dying or uh, Dead Island Two from you know years ago at this point. With that guy jogging through uh, um, wherever that is in California, I can't remember what it's called. But I'm still looking forward to this game, and yeah, it's a bummer we're gonna wait a little, wait a little longer. Um, but, you know, there's always plenty coming out. So, like you said, let them take the time that they need, as always. I mean, to your point, with they having a little bit more of a comedic, goofier tone, like, overall, in a world where we're not getting any more Dead Rising games, uh, maybe it does fill that niche where people want to play a zombie game, but they don't want it to be as serious. Hmm. Uh, and maybe it could kind of find its path there, too. So I feel like fun. it's just easier. I don't remember all the other critiques for Dying Light 2, but... When the when the tone is so serious, like it just can, it's harder to make that work, right? Um, when like if that if the writing isn't quite as good or the acting isn't quite as good, it 
kind of, you can see the holes a little bit better. But if everything's sort of goofy, you know, the corniness can almost, even if it's unintentional, it can warp. Yeah. And be endearing in that way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There, there's more room to to miss, I think, when you do go serious with zombies because it is such a, a tropish genre at this point that you're, mm -hmm. to what you're saying is that you need the writing to hit because if it doesn't, then it just comes off as like bland and uninspired. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Shout out to Dead Island 2. Hopefully you, uh, you make up for a dream people have been waiting almost a decade for at this point. Uh, next up, one of the wildest stories I didn't expect to wake up to and read, the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog was arrested. Well, which is crazy. So I'm going to read this story for you. Over the past 24 hours, a number of people in Japan, including a Square Enix employee, have been arrested on insider trading charges related to a Dragon Quest game announcement. Legendary Sega designer Yuji Naka is reportedly among them. The scandal centers around a studio called Aiming, which in 2020 was announced as a developer of a new Dragon Quest game called Tact. Last night, it was uh, last night it was first alleged that 38-year-old Square Enix employee Tasuke Sasaki, who has worked on Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts games, knew of the deal before it was publicly announced, and along with a friend, purchased a ton of shares in Aiming, hoping to profit when their share price presumably went up. Yuji Naka, 57 years old who is credited as one of the main creators of Sonic the Hedgehog, has since been arrested on similar charges. According to this FNN report, Naka is accused of also knowing about the aiming deal before it was public news and taking the opportunity to purchase 10,000 shares in the company. Guys, you guys, come on. Don't do that shit, man. I mean, obviously. <laughs> what the heck? It's... I don't know why anybody ever thinks they're going to get away with it because they don't. Um, right. Flags get yeah. thrown up as soon as, you know, uh, at least I don't know if in the United States, like there's the IRS is on that kind of shit or whoever it is that IRS, some one of those other agencies or something. Um, whenever there's big transactions, you know, in the vicinity of big announcements, whatever it is, they're they're going to they're going to notice. I don't know, guys. Yeah, except for the fact like we can't necessarily throw uh you know stones from a glass house because the whole idea of like politicians being able to trade stocks and all oh. that whole thing is wild. Um, yeah. but yeah, this is crazy. Like, just seeing the headline: "Creator of Sonic the Hedgehog arrested" is yeah. such a funny. Yeah. With the way Sonic is represented on the internet, it is such a funny headline. And uh, you know, if he's guilty, then yeah, you know, do do the do the crime, do the time, but. I'm always interested in these type of things too because I, w I wonder what percentage in these insider trading things of like it's just blatant ignorance of like not understanding that that is a crime. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, not that that makes them not guilty, but you yeah. know. That's why I don't know how like every other company works, but where I work, I have to take, you know, annual trainings on this kind of stuff to make sure that we're not ignorant. And we know that, you know, if we become privy to certain information or product launches, whatever it is that you can't just go talking about it um, necessarily and that kind of stuff. So yeah, like you said, ignorance isn't always going to be a good defense. And I, but yeah, I honestly think this is the universe balancing itself out because Sonic Frontiers came out and reviewed decently well. And the way the universe works <laughs> is every 12 months, Sonic needs to take an L. So this is Sonic taking an L. Sonic Frontiers came out and was okay. And it's like, no, it's not measuring out. There's not balance in the universe. And uh, yeah, all jokes aside. Exactly. Uh, all jokes aside, hopefully everything's cleared up there and the people who are guilty, you know, go to jail. And it is wild, uh, especially with the Square Enix thing too. So it wasn't just like Sega stuff. It was that Square Enix employee as well. Um, yeah. For yeah. some Dragon Quest game that is like, seems not, not whatever. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Dragon Quest is way larger, and unlike Pokemon that kind of went global, Dragon Quest, I know it's popular to some people in the West, but it's nowhere near the property that it is in Japan, so yeah, it's crazy. Uh, next up, some positive news, some happy news, also out of Japan, Dom. I wrote this headline as, Elden Ring is hotcakes. I mean, that's a weird headline, what does that mean? Because it's selling like hotcakes. It is hotcakes. Elden Ring, released in uh, February 25th of this year, 2022, has officially sold 17.5 million copies as of the end of September. That's wild. To put that into perspective, 
as of May 2020, the Dark Souls trilogy had sold a total of 27 million copies. The whole trilogy. So thirty, almost two thirds, more than two thirds, whatever that math is, of all the previous Dark Souls games. In seven months, as opposed to what, uh, eight years in 2020? Because the first Dark Souls came out in 2012? 2011, yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. Elden Ring is popular. People love it. And uh, yeah, it was the the biggest success for Elden Ring in terms of a commercial hit. Um, did we ever go over... I wonder what the Sekiro numbers were for Activision. Um, I think we I'm assuming they're well, because Activision's marketing is usually really good on their published titles. Because obviously all the Dark Souls games were marketed and published by Bandai Namco, which is a big publisher in the East, but they don't have the the budget and scope of like Activision. Very few other companies do. Uh, so Sekiro sold five million by July of twenty twenty. The latest number I could get. So that's pretty good, but obviously it's been over two years since then, so it. I mean, to put that in perspective, though, right? So at that same time that that report came out in 2020 for Dark Souls, Dark Souls 3 was at 10 million copies sold. And that's the third game in a trilogy. So for Sekiro to come out and sell half of that as like a new IP is pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. New IP. And also the timing makes a huge difference because like all of the all of the Elden Ring sales thus far have been at full price. Maybe there's been it's down to like 50 bucks or something here and there. But. It's not like maybe next year it'll start to go on a more significant sale. Um, so like the sales combined with obviously the revenue or whatever price, you get it. Yeah, and also yeah, yeah. I it's it's awesome. I'm so happy for Elden Ring. It's a great game. It deserves all those sales. And yeah, seventeen and a half million copies in less than one calendar year is ridiculous. Um, you know, yeah. Elden Ring, a game both of us love, near and dear to both of our hearts. Shout out to uh, From Software. There's another development studio that's near and dear to, more so I would say your heart. I enjoy their games, but I think you're much more of a Supermassive fan than me. Uh, but we got Supermassive's next entry revealed. With the Dark Pictures anthologies, The Devil and Me releasing on November 18th, 2022, the first game of the anthology's second season has been revealed. And this one sounds really cool, Dom. I don't know if you've read anything about this. I'm not. Titled Directive 8020. The next entry seems to be a science fiction horror tale. The teaser showcases a ship floating in space with a man's voice explaining over the intercom that the ship recently experienced a hull breach that's being handled and that they are in search of humankind's next home. It then abruptly cuts to a different male crew member's voice anxiously relaying that a fellow crew member named Sims is trying to kill him. So I'm getting some like alien vibes. I'm getting some like uh uh What's the what's the horror movie with the uh it's in the snow and that there's the alien species Oh the I thing? No, not the thing. What is it called? Horror movie searching snow creature. No, 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 no. This the is like thing. a classic Yeah. In what Antarctica. is it called? Shape-shifting alien. That's the thing. Maybe I didn't know it. Classic horror movie body horror. What is it called? I can't believe neither of us can... Uh, the Thing? Is it The Thing? I think uh, it is, in which case, that's I've never seen that, and that's not what I was thinking of. But that might be what you're thinking. Yeah, it's the... I think they did a remake of it that wasn't as great. Yeah, this is it. It gives me these vibes of, like, the whole breach totally makes me believe. Even, like, Dead Space, I guess it's kind of adjacent to, of, like, I think there's going to be some sort of alien creature bacteria that invades the ship and causes people to go crazy to some extent. Mm. Uh, obviously, there could be a twist there where it's, like, maybe just hallucinations and there isn't actually a creature, and it could be a loss of oxygen or something. They can play within a lot of ways. Directive 82 is a cool name. Obviously, The Devil and Me just came out, uh, which is, like, very, what, Saw-adjacent, right? It's like very yeah. much like want to play a game, like big hotel with a lot of traps, saw like contraptions, all that sort of stuff. I love with this anthology that they're taking ri- like not all the games hit at the same level for sure, but they're taking risks with the setting and the themes and stuff. Like, uh, mm-hmm. what's the military one? 
uh, House of Ash. So I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played it, but that game originally starts off as like a PTSD military horror. And by the end of that game, it's wild what's actually going on. But I love that. Uh, I love that they're willing to do the twists and just like M. Night Shyamalan movies, though I think Dark Pictures Anthology has a higher percentage of hits than misses than his movies, unfortunately. They're always willing to do a twist, and I'd rather have something try a twist and maybe it not fully hit than give me a cookie-cutter story I've seen before. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. I love sci-fi horror. I don't think we get enough of it in the video game space. I mean, we're barely getting the return of Callisto Protocol and Dead Space. I mean, most of the, like, whenever we talk about the best horror games, like even a couple of weeks ago when we did the Halloween Spooktacular, were there any big sci-fi games we talked about? I think we mentioned, like, Alien Covenant. Or not Alien Covenant. What's the game? Uh, that's the movie. God. No, no, no. It had a name. Uh, it's like Alien. Hold on. Colonel I'm look that up. That one. No, no. That's a bad one. Oh. Uh, what is it called? Alien Isolation. Is oh, Alien. Yeah. yeah. Outside of that, I'm trying to think of any, if there was any pure, like, sci-fi horror games we talked about. Um, I don't think not that we mentioned there was one recently, but now I'm blanking on the name. Well, I guess we talked about Dead Space, which is sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, Dead Space. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's more rare. So I'm with you. Like it's cool that they're, you know, taking more chances with different settings and stuff. And I I do like I'm starting to get to that point of like I hope that they're not like crunching too hard to get these things out. They just are making these games so fast but at the same time like they're not there's obviously a lot of branching paths and choices and stuff in these games but otherwise they're very simplistic gameplay wise you know it's kind of like you walk around push a few buttons and um, quick time events is the, the extent of the gameplay which is fine like, for what they're doing but yeah like it's impressive how fast they're able to put these games out and it's cool that like we said, there's so many different settings. So I'm into it, and uh, it probably won't be too long before I get around to the devil and me. Yeah, and the way I look at it is like the Quarry and Until Dawn are their Stephen King novels, and the Dark Pictures Horror Anthology are their Goosebumps books. Uh, I think yeah. is the best way to kind of position those. Mm-hmm. Um, and with like Goosebumps books, they're not maybe they might not ever hit the quality of those Stephen King novels, but they're totally enjoyable for what they are as well. Yeah. Um. Before we get to the big topic, which we promised was going to be us casting the Gears of War movie, I have a surprise pop quiz for you, Dom. This is something I wanted to add to the show. It won't be an every week thing, but ever so often I want to hit you with a surprise pop quiz, and it might be a flaming garbage truck on fire, uh, or you might have a successor rate. This one, there's room for dif- differentiating levels of success, and uh, I don't know if you'll see this one coming. I want you to name for me as many of the members of Organization 13 from Kingdom Hearts that you can. Oh, man. There's 13 of them. Uh, And that includes the leader, too, by the way. Man, and I just... uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out a few years ago, and I had played most of the other games in the lead-up to that and even read a bunch on all the lore. And despite that, in this moment, I'm just drawing a huge blank. I know there's like... Um, what I will so you, say for people who don't know is every member of Organization 13 is a nobody. Which then in and of itself needs an explanation, but I'm not going to yeah. get into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say... I don't think Roxas was actually part of that. Yes. Roxas is one. That's one. He is technically in it. Okay. And, and this then, is on the official wiki too. All okay. these nerds are right in this wiki. Oh. Who's the leader of Organization 13? That might be an easy one. Because it's not Ansem. Or is it? He, I, don't, I don't know. Because no. he wasn't part of it, but it's kind of someone else who, who is his nobody, I think, is the leader. Xehanort might not be it. Nope. Um, I think the easiest one on this list is the leader and the red-headed guy. Said for, oh, Axel. The red-headed Axel, guy. yep, that's two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of these, I don't even remember meeting these characters and I played all three games. So these might be, maybe you are introduced to them in some of the spinoffs or something, but 
The only other one, the, there's two uh, I remember, and they both have their names start with X. Oh, um, I'm also thinking there's a blonde-haired kid. Uh, All right, let's just go through them. I don't think I'm going to get any more. Okay. So I'm going to go from top to bottom. Roxas is the one that you knew, and Axel. <laughs> Larzine? I don't know how to say it. L-A-R-X-E-N-E. Yeah. That's a blonde kid with the wispy hair that mm-hmm. you probably were thinking about. That's who I was thinking of, yeah. Pink-haired person with the scythe. It's Marluxia. Oh, yeah. Okay. Guy with playing cards, it looks like. Luxord. Yeah, that one. I uh, as well. <laughs> generic Final Fantasy side character, looks like. Demix. Demix. Oh, okay. That one. Is- then there's Axel, who's looks totally cool then there's like the counterpart to axel who's the blue haired guy saix s-a-i-x i I don't know how you pronounce that name saix 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 maybe uh zexion (laughs) sounds like pokemon at this point uh zexion luxaeus who has like a really dope like sword in his hand i've never seen this guy before he has like orange hair he's like a ginger uh vexen zaldine who has a bunch of spears it looks like and these are the two that I remember outside of Axel and Roxas. Zigbar. Yeah. Who's like one of like the co-general leader dude. And Zemnis, who's the leader who is Zem- like dual wielding lightsabers. Zemnis. Oh my goodness. That's who I was thinking of. Because the first game, there's Ansem, who's your uh, villain. But then his... Goodness, I can't remember how it all works. His Maybe his nobody is Zemnis. And then his other, or his heartless, is... Xehanort? I don't. I can't remember. Xehanort is the main dude. His nobody is Xemnas. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just in the ballpark. It's all nonsense. This is a tougher one. There's three rep, three replicas. Can you name them? Oh, no. There's Zion, Vexen, and Riku replica. I don't even know what the replicas are. I'm just going down this list because it's interesting. There's one listed special nobody. I'll give you a hint. She has blonde hair. She's wearing a white dress. Um, I want to say it's like Naomi or something like that. You're close. And Amini. I'll give it to you. Nimini, With all yeah. the convoluted lore in, in uh, Kingdom Hearts, I'm giving that to you. She was yeah, in... I did, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> she was so... in, at least first, she was in the GBA game, Pain of Memories, I think it's called. Um, and then probably pops up here or there the other. But yeah. I guess that says a lot because I did, uh, I did spend a lot of time like trying to learn all that stuff before the third game came out, and and it just I didn't retain it very well, which I think speaks to it just isn't that interesting. I guess it's 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 convoluted and, and confusing, but without I don't know reason. I don't know. Yeah, you can have stuff be confusing and, and convoluted like that, but if it's interesting enough. You know, then I think it, it could be worth it. But to me, at least, it just didn't. A lot of the detail around that, all, all those extra characters and organizations and all that, the weird, frankly, just extremely abstract concepts in that series just didn't do it for me. So it kind of lost me. But I mean, when it's as simple as like the first game, you know, straightforward, we got Disney characters, we got the Heartless, and we don't get too much more abstract than that. Great. It was an awesome time. Hell yeah. But it got the. You really went into the weeds after that. Well, and then with the amount of games we play and media we intake, it's hard enough to remember names from non-convoluted stuff. So when you start adding in reasons for it, and then the naming conventions, I don't know, it's a whole thing. I decided it'd be fun because I knew it would catch you off guard. And it'd be something that I knew you'd have, like, some familiarity with some of it, but I knew you'd probably forget some of it too, which would make it interesting. And that was the case. In the fourth game, you know, amongst like it, one of these organizations or a group of characters with the, those types of names, there's just like a a bill thrown in there. Like, hey guys, I'm I'm Bob. I got my keyblade. You know what I mean? Just something that's just yeah. hilarious. Um, Joe, just generic, uh, regular American. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that'd be funny. Yeah, find him up next to Xanort and Demsis, Xanis and Axial and. Yeah. <laughs> Baklava or whatever the hell they're called. Baklava. <laughs> I love that stuff. I haven't had it. 
Yeah, I've had baklava in a while either. Uh, but it totally fits. If you were to run to a guy in Kingdom Hearts and his name was Baklava, you'd be like, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah I see it. Okay, yeah. let's get to the meat of this episode. And boy, is this series known for its hunks of meat. <laughs> uh, we're going to be casting the Gears of War movie. Obviously, we talked about this last week that Netflix has partnered uh, with Microsoft to make both a movie and a adult-oriented animated show. So let's go over who we'd cast in the recently announced Gears of War movie being made in partnership with Netflix. We're going to start off with Marcus Phoenix. This one, I think Batista is so iconically perfect for the role that I couldn't really put my thumb on anybody else I'd want to go with. Mm-hmm. The one caveat I made for myself is that if they were going with an older Marcus, um, like if they were doing like Gears 4 timeline, which I don't think they would. I think they're going to go Gears 1. Uh, I think Gerard Butler could do a really good old Marcus yeah. Phoenix. Oh, Gerard Butler. That's who I was thinking of, but I couldn't remember his name. Well done. Yeah. But then Great again, game. remember in the first game, we, we meet Adam Phoenix, Marcus's dad. Remember, he's part of the whole thing. So maybe that'd be cool to cast him as, I don't have that on the list, but him as Adam Phoenix would be dope. So Batista's my choice. I know it's boring and not, and it's pretty uninspired, but I stuck with that. I actually... um. I mentioned it last week, but for some reason, I just like really wanted Russell Crowe in this. <laughs> um, so I put him as Marcus, um, even though I think you probably have a better argument realistically that Dave Bautista is. Um, I think he actually looks um, not just size wise, but like the shape of his face and everything kind of looks like Marcus Phoenix, Marcus Phoenix's face. But nonetheless, I want Russell Crowe in this damn movie. And by the way, <laughs> my picks, all of them, they're unrealistic, especially like together. Um, the budget that it would require is it wouldn't even make any sense. So uh, this is more of that's how I took it. Not like realistic picks about realistically, it's going to be mostly people we've never heard of in a lot of these roles. But I wanted to have more fun. With. Yeah, same. But to, for some of them, it's it's a lot about age, too, for me. Um, like, yeah, you can't. It, Obviously, some actors can play younger than they are, but I'm not sitting here trying to cast like 20 year olds in the role because I do think Gears of War in general, like even at the start of their journey, they're like more grizzled, yeah, uh, like veterans than they are like young spry rookies. That's kind of like where the carmines and stuff come in. Um, I'm gonna go with Dominic Santiago. Uh, so originally I was thinking John Bernthal as Dominic Santiago, but I looked into it, and John Bernthal is not. Latino. Yeah. He is probably uh, keep someone Hispanic here. Yeah, he's actually Jewish, which I didn't know about. I thought he was like Italian or something, but he's actually full full Jewish, uh, which is really interesting. And shout out to him because he can portray a lot of characters that not that like to stereotype Jewish people, but like he is so well at what he does is he can pat he can pass as like a Latino actor, but I think for the film why not give it to somebody of that heritage to play the part? And I was looking through actors and I know that Gears of War is much more of a meat-headed franchise, but I do think when thinking about the Gears of War trilogy, the original trilogy, Dominic Santiago in terms of like the crew is like the heart of the team. He's very much like the emotional core and that's what makes his death so heartfelt and sad. Um, and he's also can display that level of romanticism towards his wife, which also makes yeah. his death so crushing as well. Yeah. I got to go with Oscar Isaac. That's my choice is Dominic Santiago. I think he could play really well off of Batista um, because I like Batista as an actor, but he plays a much different role with the character approach he takes. Whereas Oscar Isaac can be that heart. He can be the levity. Uh, I could see those two joking around. Um, and yeah, I think Oscar Isaac would make a really good Dominic Santiago. But to your point, like we're getting into like, oh, this would be a very high budget movie, especially with <laughs> yeah. just Oscar Isaac. But yeah, I think he'd play a great Dominic Santiago. I actually thought of him too, um, for Dom's role, but I felt bad because I, I still wanted Dave Bautista in this. Um, how can you not? So I put him as Dom. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of just thought like, um, this I don't think he's Latino. Now I hesitated. But I'm gonna look it up. No, I like, think he's white. But let's see. Yes, the white guy. Okay, so you know, there's a that's not ideal, I guess. But um, 
still wanted him to be in this, and like you know, one of the more main roles. So Oscar Isaac's a great pick, but and yeah, he, I wanted he can deliver heart in that role too. So, mm-hmm. so he's not necessarily Latino, but he's as Latino adjacent as a non-Latino can be in that okay. he's Filipino. Okay, so it, you know, so, it's one of those like it, passable, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's mostly due to like Spanish colonization, if we're being real, unfortunately, is why Filipino yeah. culture is so close to like a lot of Mexican or other Latino cultures. But yeah, um, that's interesting. I think who is your who is your a Marcus? It was a uh, Russell, Russell Crowe. Yeah. So if you're yeah, if they're if they're a little bit older, I think Batista does play well as a dom, like a sidekick dom to that type of actor in Marcus's role. I think right. the only weird thing would be is if whoever you cast as Marcus was a a younger type of actor, but because Russell Crowe is a bit on the older side, I think that dynamic would work with Batista in uh, the side role, even though he'd probably his stature he'd loom over everyone else on set. That's um, that was the other thing throughout. It's going to be a theme is um, I'm just I'm also under the assumption that we can do some Hollywood type magic and um, oh for sure as far as physicality because not everyone can be as big as Dave Batista or if you, you know, if you have like Dwayne Johnson in here or like some of those types of guys, like there's not I don't enough that works in a movie that. though. Right. I think it works in a game where they're all relatively the same size, but in a movie you have to kind of have that contrast. Yeah. Um, and this goes into the next casting. So for me, Batista, huge dude, he needs to be Marcus. Oscar Isaac is Dom. He's a little bit like slider frame, but I still think he holds his own and has presence on camera. Coltrane needs to be somebody with stature. Um, so Lester Spate is the black actor who voices Coltrane in, in, uh, the games. And he's a, he's a live action actor too. And I know a lot of people are like, why not just cast him in the role? He's like, he's still, he can do it. He's not just a voice actor. The problem with Lester Spate, I looked it up, he's 60. And I don't think that would relate well to what the movie would probably be trying to portray unless there's like flash forwards to them older but obviously that wouldn't work because you want the stakes of them possibly dying in the movie so he's out unfortunately i know a lot of people might be mad about that but lesser spate shout out to you for voicing culture in the games it just doesn't work for me in the movie my pick is winston duke uh have you seen the black panther films uh the first one he was also in us yes he's in a lot of stuff he's a great actor uh he plays in baku and black panther uh he's great in the sequel too if you haven't seen the sequel yet dom uh, I watched it uh, earlier this week. He's great in it. Is that movie? But, uh, is it as good as the first one, or like uh, up to par at least? I love that. Yes. Movie. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's it's. I mean, I think anything in movies will have a hard time matching the cultural impact that Black Panther had for society. Yeah. But in terms of the quality of movie, I think it's really good. It does the same stuff in terms of focusing on culture. Uh, this one is more of a fifty-fifty split between uh african culture and you know black people culture in general and latino culture with uh namor and talokan and all that stuff because he's not from uh uh atlantis in the mcu he's from talokan which is like uh a latino mayan based culture it's really cool yeah it's definitely worth watching for sure uh but winston duke uh is actually six foot five which I didn't know, yeah. which makes sense. But once again, I didn't know if it was Hollywood magic, Dom, where he was just being presented sure. as a much larger man. Uh, he's very funny. I think that's a huge part of Coltrane is you need somebody who is just naturally funny and charismatic. And I do think Winston Duke is that. Um, yeah, so that's who I have for Coltrane. Okay, don't make fun of me too much for my pick, but I just love this dude. And the size doesn't match up. Um, if you say Winston Kevin Duke, Hart... No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I obviously picked Shaquille O'Neal. No, I'm just kidding again. <laughs> um, I want Jamie Foxx to do this, man. I just feel like, yeah, he's not, he's not as big, but I, I think he could do it with like that kind of charm. That I, I don't know. I, I, to me, I just like see his face and I just see him doing this. Probably have to find a way to, like, he's been obviously like super jacked in the movies, but he's not like super tall i don't think um or like just as like frame wise large that you want out of for someone for coltrane but everything else i just feel like i don't know something about his charisma it would work well here and he'd do a good job so 
and you know the whole thing yeah. with Coltrane is he's like a former professional athlete, so he kind of needs a. Obviously, Jamie Foxx has done that. My one Many worry times. with him would be if they cast him and they didn't do the Hollywood magic to where people, it would be one of those things of like, oh yeah, Netflix making a bad casting choice, regardless of how Jamie Foxx would do in the role. Because I'm with you, I think he would kill it, but I think people are so caught up because Coltrane needs to be the biggest dude in yeah. the group that hopefully they do that right and they can put him in some risers and work some other magic there that's, that's a good choice <laughs> yeah yeah uh for i, I think you're with me that it needed to be somebody who's charismatic and comedic mm-hmm. uh for me I, I i tried finding that but also i, I wanted to find size because it makes less work on the uh, you know the opposite end of uh when you're actually working on the movie but uh kevin i like hart. that choice <laughs> uh yeah I, god don't get me started on kevin hart so next up damon baird um Interesting enough, this is a character that I had a different perception of what his personality was when I first played the game to what it is now. So when I first played the game, I always thought of him as like a dry humored, super intelligent dude. But he's actually over the years is very clear that I was totally wrong on that. He's very intelligent, sure, but he's much more like Ryan Reynolds satirical with a lot of his stuff. Like he's very yeah. much like a smart ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking at who could be a smart ass. Like I said, there's Ryan Reynolds. That's kind of, kind of an obvious choice. Uh, I was thinking of like a Ryan Gosling type maybe, uh, but I landed on John Bernthal. Cause I do think he's very good at talking shit. And I think he, it'd be a role for him where he always plays that dude. that like talk shit to people, but they rarely put him in a position where he's like the smartest dude in the room. And I think that'd be a cool role for John Berthal, where he not only gets to showcase his uh, assholiness that he's so good at, but also that he's like, no, he's also like super intelligent and uh, any excuse for them to like dye his hair too. Cause I'm so intrigued to see what, what he'd look like with more blondish hair than the jet black stuff. He's always rocking. And I do think he'd work with the cast too. Like uh, John Berthal and Oscar Isaac have worked together before. I think him working with the Batista would be sick. But more more importantly, I'd want to see him and Winston Duke on screen together. I think that that dynamic would be really sick. Uh, so yeah, John yeah. Berthal is my choice for that's Barrett. pretty good. I because it's so the thing I got hung up on this one more than anything was the blonde hair. So like yeah, Berthal didn't even come into my brain. But um, I did think about Ryan Reynolds because of that 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 sarcasm. But what I ultimately went with um, who I want to see in more stuff and just haven't yet is Charlie Hunman. Hunnam, not exactly sure. Oh, from Sons of Anarchy, my second choice. That's why I had second okay. on one, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's obviously already got like the blonde hair going. He probably have to cut it or something, depending where he's at. But I don't know. I could just see that. Also, a, like a bigger dude that could, you know, fit in with um, you know, stature of a lot of the other guys here. But um, yeah, I'd be curious like what he could do. Because I've never seen him like try to be overly sarcastic. In Sons of Anarchy, he has some good jokes or whatever that's kind of like you know, riffing off other people. But I kind of thought that I'd like to see him be a little wittier and and then like you said also to be like actually a smarter more intelligent guy. I think I think he could do well with that. Yeah, cuz he often gets typecast as like the bad boy rough around the edges type guy. Mm-hmm. Uh so it'd be neat for him and yeah, he, we need to see him in more stuff. The thing with him as well with Sons of Anarchy and a lot of the other things he's done, he already he's already proven he can work in an ensemble, which I think is important for this movie in general. Is you need people that have showcased they can work in a group dynamic because that is what Gears is. Uh, for better or worse, it's a bunch of frat dudes killing aliens. You know what I mean? He well, did. I guess they're technically not a- they're technically not aliens because they come from the Earth, the core of the Earth. That's right. Yeah, like, I always yeah. forget that. I always want to. <clears throat> I always want to make yeah. them aliens. But he also did uh, that King Arthur movie a little while ago, where he's you know, a bit more stoic, uh, kind of a character than in Sons of Anarchy. And that was the. I think that might have all. That might be all I've ever seen him in. But a lot of seasons of that show too that i watched all that shit (laughs) yeah i want him to be in the mcu i like him as an actor just a lot of the stuff he does doesn't interest me unfortunately like Mm -hmm. i'm not a sons of anarchy person i didn't watch that king arthur movie but i i respect his game because he i've seen his performances especially i've seen clips of sons of anarchy and he's a good actor i I just want to see him in something that i'd be down to check out uh next up anya stroud who's you know I'm hoping that there's more than just her as female characters in this movie. Cause I think that's one of the, yeah. one of the big criticisms of gears of war, at least the original. And they've gotten better at it, with it over time is that there's not a lot of females in, in it. Uh, so Anya Stroud needs to be 
a strong female presence. It needs to be an actress who can hold her own with all of these like testosterone filled dudes. And it came down to two names for me. And it was honestly, it was the thing that led me one over the other was the age gap between her and Batista, the actress and Batista, because I didn't want it to be too weird. Um, so my first choice was Florence Pugh. I love Florence Pugh. I think she's a tremendous actress. I wanted to see her more action roles outside of the MCU. Most of her other stuff is like either like period piece stuff or more serious or horror based things. And I want to see her more action that's non superhero related. Um, but her age difference with Batista is like super weird to me. I don't think that'd work necessarily mm-hmm. on camera. It'd be like a dad and his daughter, uh, which isn't great. I, maybe some people are into that, I guess. Uh, but my actual choice is Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt is such a phenomenal actress. Uh, obviously, she's great in uh, what's John Krasinski's horror movie called? Uh, be quiet. Don't be quiet. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm close. A Quiet Place. A quiet Place. Uh, and obviously, she's great in the Tom Cruise uh, Live, Die, Repeat, which I don't remember the original title for that movie, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, she's great. Obviously, people want her in the MCU as Miss, uh, Miss Fantastic, Miss Invisible. Uh, but, yeah, I think she has a very strong personality and can can uh, present herself in a way that Anya Strad needs to. And, yeah, Emily Blunt is, is my choice. So what you'll continue to notice here is that I am not, you know, a Hollywood encyclopedia i'm not i don't know every actor out there so my choices kind of reflect uh, a lot of the <laughs> stuff i like to watch and that's where i got people from because my choice for Anna shroud was um and i don't know exactly how to say it but from better call saul ray seahorn um she plays kim wexler who's a lawyer in that show and very uh i i guess uh, appears very proper a lot of the time but is also kind of got some other stuff going on but anyway um i wanted to again i just got done watching that the end of that show earlier this year and not seeing her or anything else i wanted i don't want to see her in other shows and something like like this is obviously way more actiony than (laughs) being a lawyer in the breaking bad universe even but uh yeah it was another one where like i thought uh, she was so good in saw and i want to see her do something else so and then of course uh you got blonde hair. I looked her up. Yeah, I think she could. She could do uh, Anya Stroud. the The She's third name on my list was uh two compared to like yeah four yeah. Two. Uh, Emma Darcy. Uh, it was my my third. Oh choice. yeah, that'd be a good pick. Gosh, yeah. thought of that. <laughs> uh, though her age thing kind of is weird with Batista. Uh, cause uh, I just he is he look not that he looks old, but he definitely looks like a mature man. And because that's like one of the primary romances in the movie, I just it, it weirds me out if I cast a woman, you know, which Hollywood is tip, typical to do of casting a woman who looks very, very much younger than her uh, yeah. male romantic counterpart. Uh, next up, this one is for the memes. So here's the thing, Carmine. <laughs> the thing about you're, Carmine. You're already going to preface this because I got some goofy picks for you here. <laughs> so here's the thing with Carmine. It kind of doesn't matter what the actor looks like because the whole thing, the bit with him is that one of the brothers dies in every game. So for me, I went one of two ways with this. One, I wanted to have a distinct voice was my first idea because a lot of times you're not going to be seeing that face. And I think having a very distinct voice would make the character charming. And I think Ryan Reynolds would be an interesting pick for Carmine too of like, it's one of those things where you don't even know he's cast in the movie until you watch the movie and you hear yeah. him. He's like, is that Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> uh, that would be really funny. Uh, but my actual choice is Sean Bean. I had to go with Sean Bean. He's the dude uh, known oh, for dying and everything he's in. Yeah. And the cool thing is he could be in everyone as a different Carmine brother and he'd kind of go with the bit. It wouldn't yeah. be a lot of work for him either. It would just be a voice role. They can get somebody to actually be the in-body person doing the, the you know physical performance. And I just think it'd be such a funny thing. Also, it's built-in marketing of like, they cast Sean Bean as Carmine and people would lose their mind about the internet would go yeah. wild. It, it, just the casting itself is a meme. That's pretty funny. Um, I, I had a similar thought process here, especially on, yeah, you don't see his face. So size and stature in this case entirely out the window. And so that's why I, I was like, you know, this is going to be Tom Holland. and He's going to die 
over and over again as different characters. Dude, that's all. a good pick. I love yeah. Tom Holland as Carmine. <laughs> because you can you would recognize his voice to it, especially compared to like the other guys um it, that are gonna be in this cast in, the, in either of our scenarios. Like he's, he's very youthful in his voice too, which yes. works with Carmine. Yeah. It, exactly. And but also yeah you'd recognize it and it would be hilarious and he would just die and it, and he would be hilarious like he would be so funny no matter what they have him say. Um so I also I considered I um, love that pick. That's so yeah, good. I thought about Chris Pratt here too. Similar thing where like you'd recognize his voice and it would just be funny for him to to die, I guess. Seth Rogen was one I thought of. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. Which would be hilarious. <laughs> it's like a different his laugh. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Similar thing with Tom Holland really, but just in a very different way. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I love the Tom Holland pick. Yeah. I actually like that one more than my my meme one. But yeah, like I think it has to be because the voice is so important. You need to make mm-hmm. a bold choice there one way or another. I think we're both on board with that. So that's awesome. Was there anybody else on that list outside of Tom Holland? No, I think I mentioned last week too, like Nathan Fillion would be funny. That just like feels so much right up his alley. Uh, kind of like the Sean Bean bit kind of. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I really like, I really want Tom Holland to do that. I think that'd be awesome. Dude. I like that pick so much. That's so good. Um, Next up, Queen Mira. This one, I think, is my most uninspired pick outside of Batista. Maybe. I don't know what you'll think. Queen Mira needs to be an older, intimidating female. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to find many actresses in the world of Hollywood as intimidating in the right role as Kate Blanchett. I think Kate Blanchett is like, uh, she's very good at being intimidating. Um, in the same way, I, uh, ever since mayor of Easttown, I want to see Kate Winslet in more things because I think as a younger actress, she got typecast as like the romantic interest, obviously Titanic and all that, but mayor of Easttown, she's like a very good, uh, actor. And I'm kind of bummed that not that mayor of Easttown wasn't a great show is phenomenal, but like, I'm like, Oh, the missed opportunity of her being in true detective would have been such a good combo. Um, but yeah, for me, it's Kate Blanchett. She is just very, when she's on screen, you listen to her. And I think Queen Mira needs that type of presence. So that's why I went with her. What else is, I obviously, I've, I've heard the name, but I have not. Like, okay, I recognize her face. She's Hela in Thor Ragnarok. Ah, okay. She's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Don't look up. Oh, interesting. Um, you're right. She's in so many. Wow, that's a pretty good pick. Um, I to me, I I my I went immediately to one person. Um, but then I thought of someone else who I think like I want to give a chance instead because I I went to um, dude, Thirsty Lannister, Lena Headey. That I, I just feel like ooh, he, good he choice. Yeah, yeah, great choice. Um, I also thought about because I just got done watching. Uh, Ted Lasso recently too. Um, the owner of the football club um, is played by Hannah Waddingham or Waddingham. Is that the blonde woman with the short blonde, the short hair? Yeah. yeah okay. And she's super tall, kind of like got a, like a, a little bit wider frame, kind of. I don't know, but anyway, um, I feel like she could kill that too. Um, but yeah, Lena Headey was just like the oh for sure. Like it, it's very like obvious to me, but uh, it, that's. <laughs> So, uh, the the actress who plays Brianna Tarth would be a sick choice too. That'd be cool. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I figured her name is Star Wars, Chrome, Stormtrooper leader. Plasma, Phasma. Phasma. Yeah. Yeah. Which was Captain a bummer. Phasma. She kind of got the that character kind of like was so cool, but then it, it was the Boba Fett of the sequel. For basically. sure. <laughs> yep. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, next up, General Rom. This one was interesting because I actually cast two people in the same role, one for the voice performance and like facial capture and one for the actual like physical practical effect performance. Okay. So for practical body and practical effects, I got Dane Deligro, Deligro. You won't recognize that name, but he was the dude who was uh, the predator and prey. He's the six foot eight dude that they put in all the prosthetics. Okay. he also played like uh, he's he's done a bunch of stuff. He's kind of like um, 
What's the tall, skinny guy who does all the monster effects for Guillermo del Toro movies? Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Hold on, I'm looking this up. So he was a basketball Pan's player. Labyrinth monster actor. This is another guy who came in. Doug Jones. You'd recognize Doug Jones if you saw him. He's like, he's. I think he's probably even done Star Wars stuff too. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's like regarded as one of the best like creature actors of all time. Anyways, uh, so Dane Legirio, Le, he has a very hard Italian last name to pronounce. I'm sorry, Dane. Dane is the body, the voice and facial capture. When I think about General Rom, he's a very like jaw forward character design oh, and he's very totally, much a blockhead you're totally taking mine uh who is it who's yours ron perlman exactly that's <laughs> who i have ron perlman yeah <laughs> uh, i think it's a perfect person to be in that role uh plus i don't know if outside of hellboy has ron perlman done any like any real like prosthetic stuff i'm gonna look it up hold on talk about why you chose him kind of what you said like that square head um, but but mostly the voice, you know the the fallout voice, reaching everything he does, like that voice is just so low and gravelly, that I think it worked well here. Obviously, like to me, it was my that brain immediately went like, "Well, you gotta do Josh, Josh, who plays Thanos, Josh something, Brolin." Yeah, that like just similar thing. Um. But that, I don't know. That wasn't as fun for me. So I, um, I really like Ron, Ron Perlman. Also in Sons of Anarchy. My other choice, uh, Rory. What's his name? The guy who plays the Hound. Oh, Rory. yeah. That's oh, you know who we didn't even think about? Rory McCann. Our boy from God of War and Remember the Titans. Who's in? Didn't remember. The guy who voices Thor, Ryan Hurst. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Hurst, I think, could kill it, too. Because you need somebody yeah. who has that stature. And that's why I kind of had to split it, because Ron Perlman isn't that big of a man. Right. Uh, yes, you want him for, like, the up-close facial shots, but in terms of, like, his actual physical presence. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, <laughs> you need to look up Ron Perlman in 1987's Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> it oh, is oh, wild. Oh, my Lord. Because uh, I was looking up his other, like, prosthetics roles. <laughs> They didn't do that. No. It's so funny. Freaky. It's super freaky. They actually did. If you're here, if you don't Google that. Don't. <laughs> it's like the movie, that Cats movie they made or whatever, where it's just not right. It's even worse than that, actually. He do so. I'm actually looking at his work. He's done a, an extensive amount of uh, prosthetic work. I'm going to actually send you this link on uh, Discord because I want you to look at it. Uh, I'm just going to put it in general. I want you to look at what we're talking through it so, we can, so we're on the same page, okay? So it's this article that's uh, from Fandom Wire. It's titled, 10 of Ron Perlman's Most Dramatic Transformations Ranked. Number one is Hellboy, obviously. Let's go through this list together so we're on the same page. Yeah. Number one is Hellboy, which we all know about. Number two is the Beauty and the Beast, which is the wild one. Uh, number three, he played Remin Viceroy in Star Trek Nemesis. Doesn't Whoa. look like Ron Perlman at all. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, Sayer of the Law in the Island of Dr. Moreau. It's similar to the Beauty and the Beast, but I think it's much more fantastical and fits. And I'm actually yeah. interested to see what this movie is. I've never heard of it before. It uh, or show or whatever good. it is. Yeah. Looks really good. Uh, Salvatore in the Name of the Rose. He's like a hunchback type character, yeah. which is wild. Uh, he's Nicola and Bunraku, who he looks like somebody who did a a budget cosplay of Thor. If I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one isn't really that much cosmetics. Neither Some is the teeth. next one. Dude, he looks dope in Conan the Barbarian, the ninth one. Oh, I didn't know he was in that movie. Right. Yeah, he looks sick. Yeah, uh, like a better version he, of that Thor cosplay. And I think he plays a cross dresser. In this oh. last movie, yeah, that's which I love. Ron Perlman, he is not a pretty woman, unfortunately. No, uh, but yeah, that's that island of Doctor Moreau. It's cool. He obviously, I didn't know he did all these roles uh, in prosthetics and stuff. So that's very interesting. Um, are do we have anybody else on the list, or was that it? Was General Ron the last one? That was the last one. General Ron was the last one. 
Yeah, is there any other ideas or actors you wanted to mention? Um, the one we didn't cast was the Asian general in the first game, who's kind of important because remember he dies, and that's when Baird takes over as like the leader of the group. Uh, um, but I don't know who you'd want to cast in that role, uh, because it's not somebody who is going to be around for a long time, really. Sure. Um, was he Samoan? I can't remember. No, he's not Samoan. I think the. Hold on, I'm going to look this up real quick. Is there anybody from a future Gears game that you'd want to, not that you have to give a, an actor, but somebody who you can't wait to see on screen, maybe? I'm going to jump to, like, man, I was a new player. There's obviously, we're getting into a lot of new options once you get into five. Uh, Did People like Dizzy, here. don't they? The cowboy guy? Oh, yeah, that's right. That guy's there. It's a bit... The Samoan gear I was thinking of is uh, Ty. He's in the second game, I think, isn't he? You don't remember him? It's been a long time. I mean, I played four and five in the last couple of years, but I never actually went back to replay, like, you know, one, two, and three since, like, I don't know, middle school or something. So. Kate Diaz is an interesting one. Yeah, um, that I think is Laura Bailey. Anyway, yeah. Find someone cool for her. Like, uh... I'm trying to think of names. Uh... Uh, Marcus's son would be an interesting casting, too. Uh... Yeah, for him, you could do, like, a... Um... I think of that guy's name from like the boys. Carl Urban? He's too old. No. One of the one of the one of the younger guys. Not um Goodness. He has his dad or something is in Jack Quaid. I, I want to see him in something. That's it. I don't know if he's like he's a little too slight, I think, to be Marcus's kid. I think he'd be a character, but I don't know if he could be Marcus's kid. Ooh, how about Maybe too old, but Sean William Scott. <laughs> Dude, Sean William Scott is Baird would be a sick choice. Yeah. Yeah, we could fit him in here somewhere. That's a I like that. Oh, Javier Bardem. Could have been good. Javier Bardem is General Rom is pretty inspired casting too. That could be good. Yeah, this is this is a fun franchise to cast. There's like I want this to be a bit we do every couple of months or something where we cast like a, a movie for a video game because I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Obviously, we can't do like Last of Us because it's already done, and I guess Uncharted to some extent is also done. But there's some other yeah. franchises we could tackle. I bet we. Uh, could if they better. ever decide to make a Halo movie that's better than whatever that show was, or Chief's losing his virginity. I didn't even try it. I... So here's the thing. Shout out to my friend Daniel. He's been my best friend since we were eight years old. Dude has, if you were to point at somebody, like, oh, that person has impeccable taste in things, he's the literal opposite of that. Okay. He just can't trust his stamp. He is as undiscerning as anybody could be. He just doesn't care. I've seen this guy start a movie halfway through on television, finish it, and then say, like, oh, I'll watch the first half some other time. He is a lunatic, okay? I do not trust his taste in anything. Good for him. Ignorance is bliss. That dude watches a ton of stuff he likes. I forgot what the whole point of me bringing this up is. Oh, okay. So he watched, he watched Halo. He watched the entire thing and he absolutely loved it. And that was my red flag of like, okay. No, thanks. I'm never watching it again. I love Daniel. And we agree on some stuff in terms of things we like, but yeah, it, it I don't even, I can't believe they made that show with all of this. Ugh, it's so, because that, that project was in development hell for so long. And then that's what ended up happening. It's such a bummer. Um, I'm the I think too. Did you ever watch Invincible on Amazon, the animated show? Oh yeah, that show was awesome. Like I'm really excited for season two. Been waiting to hear. Well, and then the crazy thing I forgot is that uh, the live action thing is still in production from uh, Seth oh. Rogen and his partner Evan Goldberg. Oh. And that'd be an interesting thing. That's not video game related, but that'd be an interesting thing to uh, cast as well. Yeah. Also, when are we getting Invincible video game? That thing is ripe for the picking. Yes. Do it in that same animation style as the show is done. It'll make it look very comic book. It'd be sick. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's it for this week's show. In terms of what we've been playing, we've both been playing God of War. Obviously, we don't want to talk mm-hmm. about it too much. All I'll say is I'm about seven hours in, and the last prominent event that happened. Uh, skip twenty seconds for anybody who's listening. I don't think this is a spoiler, but you know how people are. Anyways, uh, I just got back with tier to uh, Brock and Sindri's place. That's where I left mm. off. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I got a more sizable lead on you. Well, the crazy thing is, I think most people, seven hours in, they might be well beyond where I'm at, but the thing is, is that I went and did the side activity with, like, the giant creature in the water. Yes, that, oh, man, that, like, that, it was the first time that, um, the mirror was kind of, uh, looked like a, like a fool, for one, who's supposed to be the smartest man in the world, like, the smartest head in the world. Oh, and, like, so regrettable and, like, so ashamed of himself, yeah. Couldn't he, like, he knew... He knew the answers that Kratos kept telling him, but he just couldn't admit it to himself. Of like, no, dude, this thing is just miserable now. Like, there's no helping it anymore. It's just this life. It's not gonna even move now that it can. He just couldn't like accept that, even though he's so smart. It's just like, oh, I don't know, something about it that got me going. Also, for it being optional is great foreshadowing for the whole tier thing too. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. we'll keep playing. I'll stop. <laughs> how how many hours do you think you're in loosely? I I must be at least like four or five more than you. Okay, somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah, you be pulling ahead. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about real quick. Everyone's been talking about this game's game. Not I'm not talking about God of War. It's a game I'm about to talk about. This game needs to be in God, uh, game of the year contention. Nobody's talking about it. Why is no one talking about it? It's the best five bucks you'll ever spend on a video game. More people need to play this game. It's on Game Pass now. There's no excuse. I've dipped my toes in a little game called Vampire Survivors. And boy, howdy, is this game addicting, Dom. So, this game, you can download it on PC or on console. Obviously, it's on Game Pass. You control a character. You pick a class. As the game goes on, you can unlock more classes. Basically, it's an auto-attacker where you just move the character around. When you kill enemies, they drop uh, loot are like uh, diamonds uh, and you pick those up in their experience points. Every time you reach a, a, le- a new level, you get an option of th- one of three new powers to pick. One of them's like increase your speed. One of them's like increase your luck. One of them's like, here's a weapon to use. Then as you go on, one of them can be, here's an upgrade for a weapon you currently have, or here's an additional weapon. There's a timer. As time goes on, more enemies appear on screen and tougher p- enemies appear on screen. So the whole point is to level up your character and get it to a point where it can kill as many people on screen as possible. And each of the powers do a variety of things. Obviously, it looks like an old classic game. But the moment you start playing it, it gets addicting because you're like, oh, I want to I wanna get a level so I can possibly upgrade this ability. And it's fun experimenting and finding out what powers work with your play style or what things become OP. And there's uh, different classes that each start with a, a weapon or an ability. And then there's different levels, too. Uh, it's really fun. Um, it's one of those games, Dom, that I suggest. It's not, it's not even a long download. It's probably like a few megabytes, I'd assume, to just check it out and do maybe like a run or two uh, just to see what it's about because it's super fun. It's one of those games you can hop in for a PlayStation and hop out. There's no like story you have to worry about. Uh, the music is awesome. The soundtrack to this game is phenomenal. And, yeah, it's it's so simplistic, but you get caught up and addicted to um, – Oh, let me go one more time to see if I can do better. It's it's it has like the the best parts of mobile game design, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh and it's very like rudimentary. It's not like overly complicated. It's very much like a pixel-based art style. Uh the cool thing with this game is the gameplay loop of you like learning how like how much damage certain enemies take, how you can manipulate them with your movement to get like go in a circle and get them all gathered up. Uh it, it's fun. Uh I don't know if I'd put it like game of the year. That's kind of crazy for what it is, but it's super addicting and it's super fun. And it's probably going to be in my top 10 this year just because of how much fun I'm having with it. And the cool thing is there's like a shop uh, and you gain coins in each run too, uh, kind of like a roguelike in that way. And you go to the shop and you can buy, oh, I want this upgrade to my health. I want this upgrade to uh, the duration of my weapons or spells. You can kind of manipulate your gameplay experience. So 
every time you're playing, you're actually getting rewarded by being able to improve your next run. So it's like the best parts of roguelikes in that way too. And I'm watching some gameplay now, and it, it almost, and also I'd say like feels kind of like a like an arcade game, like a Galaga or even like a makes me think of Returnal, where it's like you're kind of just managing everything on the screen because there's just so much happening. There's so many enemies all around you where you're just trying to like weave in and out of them sort of thing. Um, kind of cool. Yeah, and the only thing you can really control is your movement and the direction you're facing. So it makes you learn like, okay, what powers work with my playstyle? If I'm somebody who likes to face a group of enemies, I want maybe a, a projectile that goes forward. If I'm somebody who kind of likes to move in a circular area, I want like these these items that attack around me in the circumference of me. You know what I mean? So it, it's really fun. Uh, I've been able to do one complete run on one of the levels, and that means getting to 30 minutes on a, on a run. Uh, and then a Grim Reaper comes in and kills you, which is like, oh, it's over. Uh, but I've only been able to do that once, and I've still enjoyed it. And checking out the different classes where, okay, this guy starts with garlic, which is that ability gives you a buff around you in a circle that hits, damages enemies who get too close to you. Or there's like another person who uses the ability that it shoots at the closest enemy. So finding out what character gives you the best advantage for your play style at the beginning of the game too is really fun. And the first level is like a grass field that's like panels that overlay so you never run out of area to walk the second one is like a a horizontal dungeon so you can't go up or down but you go left or right so it kind of changes up the gameplay too super fun i'd check it out i'm having a blast with it and like i said not a huge download and uh it's on game pass so there's that thank you uncle phil big daddy phil he actually posted a video of him beating the uh, level two at 30 minutes which is sick <laughs> that's always cool when he does that he doesn't need to be he's like yeah i'm a gamer too I'm a gamer just like you. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Please head on over to YouTube. Search Controlled Interest will pop right up. Subscribe so you never miss a video. Hit the bell notification because you can't trust YouTube subscription box. Over on Twitter, you can find us collectively at CTRLINT, Controlled Interest abbreviated. Individually, I am at Jared Weich. Uh, well, you know, Twitter might be going down. You know, <laughs> this might yeah. not be something we shout out in the podcast in the near future. Who knows? But I'm at Jared Weich. That's my name. J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. Dom is at Obi Dom Kenobi. But the O and Obi is the letters, the number zero, not the letter O. Other than that, podcast services around the globe, your Spotify's, your Googles, your iTunes, all of that good stuff. We'll catch you guys next week. I Let me check the calendar real quick. Hold on. Game Awards are what? The ninth, right? I think they're the ninth. Yeah. So... Yeah, we're not going to do our predictions next week. We'll probably do it the week after. Until then, we got more God of War to play and uh, Vampire Survivors and Marvel Snap. That game is so addicting as well. See you guys next time. Bye.